Owned and operated by the Santee Sioux Nation. The survival of the first. And besides, it's fun. <laughs> Outdoors with John is on the air. This is the Hunting, Camping, and Fishing Show, presented by Northwest Iowa Outdoors, the region's number one outdoor entertainment multimedia outlet. Live from the KSCJ studios in Sioux City, the phone lines are wide open. Call 239-2101 right now with your questions or comments. Good morning, everybody. The show is brought to us by the city of Kingsley, smalltownsportsman.com in Kingsley, Dirt Road Design and Screen Printing in Kingsley, The Shooting Shop in Anthon, Iowa, Fireside Steakhouse in Lounge in Anthon, the Plymouth County Conservation Board, Skyline Lodge in Perot Falls, Ontario, Iowa Great Lakes Outdoors in Milford, Iowa, Stan's Bait Shop in Milford, Oak Hill Marina in Arnold's Park, Iowa, and Midwestern Land and Auction in Mapleton, Iowa. A um, couple reminders, next weekend is the Camp Autumn Ice Fishing Tournament and Fundraiser uh, over there just uh, by... Sutherland, Iowa, and that's going to start at 9 a.m. and run till 2. They got all kinds of good prizes to give away, and uh, and and it's good for a good cause. Uh, it's a free will uh, donation on the on the tournament side of it, and uh, they use the money to send kids to summer camp there at Camp Autumn, just uh, north east of Sutherland, Iowa. The Little Sioux Fishing Club has their um, <clears throat> excuse me, has a uh, f- uh, ice fishing contest coming up Friday, February 21st is the registration from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Anthon Shell Station. That's the gas station in downtown Anthon. Um, and then they're going to have weigh-in uh, next Sunday, the the following Sunday from 9 to 10 a.m. at the uh, there in Anthon also. And uh, what they're looking for is the five biggest fish mixed species, bluegill and crappie. Lost Island Lake is having their yellow bass ice fishing contest on that same weekend. Theirs is going to start February 22nd, and it will run from 8 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Um, you can register at Bobber Down on Old Highway 18 in Ruthven, Iowa, and that's where the weigh-in is going to take place also. That runs February 22nd from 8 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Well, today we've got uh, Congressman Steve King on the line with us. Good morning. Good morning, John. Nice crisp morning this morning and a still day. It'd be a good day to be out ice fishing. Yeah, it would. Um, hey, uh, oh, with the oh, it's election cycle again, and then this year you're actually uh, um, seeing some competition from primary voters or uh, candidates this year, which I think there's like five of them there, something like that, four or five. I'm not sure how many have registered on it. Yes, four opponents and me. And it's five in the, looks like five are likely to qualify to be on the ballot in the primary June 2nd, John. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really want to go there, but people said, well, you know what? Hey, the reason why you're facing so many primary oppositions this year is just basically because, uh, uh, well, actually, I don't know. To put it in my words, the liberals kind of kicked your knees out from under you again. Uh, and they've, they've, they've tried that since what, 2000, well, not 2003. I think it was the second time you went, we reelected you. They're like, Oh, we got to get rid of this guy. Cause he's a real conservative, but, uh, yes. but anyway, well, that's true. That been, uh, go ahead, John. But anyway, we, I, we don't need to waste a lot of time on that. I can talk about that anytime. I mean, I, I'm just glad that you could join us here on a Saturday morning, but anyway, uh, well, I appreciate it. If I could just, just to address it quickly sure. too. I, 
uh, you know, the, it was the liberals that started that, but there's also some people in the hierarchy that, that just just and almost only the people at the highest level in the Republican Party, the globalists and the elitists teamed up with the liberals. And, uh, you know, they want people they can control. And uh, my oath is uh, to support and defend the Constitution, and I represent the people in the 4th District. And uh, the people underneath that umbrella, there's our... Uh, all of our polls are good. The straw poll that came out in the Iowa caucus is really good. We were like 78% or maybe even a little higher than that in a five-weight race. So um, I'm feeling good about the good judgment of the people that I have the great privilege to represent. And they do believe in the Second Amendment. And a lot of them are outdoors people. We have a good rapport with so many of them. Yeah, and like you're saying, the higher ups in the Republican Party. I mean, uh, the last little deal that come around, you know, I, I know people, my friends are like, "Well, Steve King really stepped in at this time." And it's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about because Steve King's the same guy that he's been, well, since I voted for you the first time in 2003, I think it was. It, it's just that, uh, it's just that they up. I mean, they Kavanaughed you basically. The same thing they did to Trump here on this fake impeachment. The same thing they did to Justice Kavanaugh. Um, they they did the same thing to you, and then they they found an accomplice there with, uh, well. Kevin McCarthy, it, it seemed it like was, he just uniqued up and threw you under the bus for no apparent reason. That's, that, that, that is right. And, you know, I, I just if I were going to make um, just two simple points on this that are just with utter clarity, and as you said with Kevin McCarthy, there have only been four members of Congress in all of history that have been removed from all of their committees. Three of them are convicted federal felons, and they can't even find a rule I thought about circumventing, let alone violate a federal law. Uh, that's one thing. The second one is, and all of the time, I've, you know, I've lived in the fishbowl here in the public life for a quarter of a century, and, and I lived in the same house where I am right now for, since 1978. There's four generations of kings walking around out here. Nobody's got a single anecdote that upholds the criticism that's come out of the New York Times and Kevin McCarthy and others. So um, I think that's what people see is how could they have missed something that the New York Times could pick up in a in a non-recorded phone call? And uh, so, it, you know, eventually the truth will win out. But uh, but I don't I don't have a single accuser, and I stand alone as the only person ever removed from all their committees for doing nothing. You know, and I, I'm okay if voters want to move on to somebody else. Um, you know, that's fine. Vote for somebody else who think they're going to do a better job. But I just got a real problem with people moving off of you because of something that the liberals had said and, and based on, you know, innuendo, non-truth, you know, well, basically fake news. Hey, but anyway, uh, this, uh, this current core of um, presidential candidates, I, every one of them is out there to attack the Second Amendment. It's just kind of crazy. Um, I mean, you've been a strong opponent of the Second Amendment since, well, probably forever. Yeah, I would probably phrase that as, you know, as a strong defender of the Second Amendment. And, you know, I just... I grew up with uh, my my father was a manager of state police radio stations. I grew up in a law enforcement family. Dad would sit at the supper table at night with the Constitution and the Code of Iowa and explain how this all fit together. And he didn't attempt to put the federal code out there and explain it through that. But the Iowa, he did. And uh, he let me know that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. And they explained each of the each of the Bill of Rights, each of the Ten Amendments in the Bill of Rights. And and I, so I had that rooted in me from a little on up, probably five or six years old on. But it's it's really pretty simple: is that our our founding fathers, the framers of our Constitution, understood that when the British came to disarm them, there would go all the rest of their freedoms. And so the Second Amendment, I, I often tell people today, it's, my argument's probably gone beyond what I learned at the supper table as a kid, I'm sure it has, but 
The Second Amendment isn't so that we can hunt or or self-defense or collect or target shoot. Those are all residual benefits. They're additional fringe benefits of the Second Amendment. Second Amendment's there so that we're an armed populace that can defend ourselves against tyranny. And what I say about our constitutional rights, about all of them, is that if we don't exercise our constitutional rights, they will be taken away from us or defined away from us. And that includes freedom of speech, religion, press, and assembly. And um, the right to keep and bear arms, you know, right second, the Second Amendment right with that and on up the line. But these presidential candidates, they do not respect the Constitution. They understand the left has always ground away at our, at our God-given liberty and, uh, and, tried to, and tried to erode it in every possible way, by litigation, by legislation, by public pressure, by intimidation. And uh, each time that there's uh, some, uh, some gun violence out there, they, they attempt to take our guns away. And, and uh, they, they went down to the floor here a couple of years ago with their blankets and their pillows to protest that we had guns. So I went out and bought another gun. I try to do that each time they protest. That's my way of protesting back at them. Uh, but, but I would just encourage people, raise your children to understand and be comfortable around, around guns. Teach them that gun safety from very, very little on up. If it's a toy gun, teach them gun safety with that. And then, then, and then teach them the outdoor sports so that they're out there utilizing the Second Amendment. And if it's, if it's target shooting, a shooting trap, and hunting um, of all kinds, being outdoors is good and healthy exercise. It's a wholesome thing. It's a traditional thing. It puts meat on the table, does all that, and it infuses it into the, the family traditions. And when you do that, then you hang on to your guns. And if you hang on to your guns, we can hang on to our freedom, John. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I always thought, you know, they've been trying for decades to go directly at the firearms, and they really haven't been successful. And I always thought um, one of the things that they'd probably try to do anyway, the left is, is, is kind of circumvent and go after what goes into the firearm as far as like ammunition. And uh, the Obama administration did their best to get rid of lead, which is a key component in any of our um rifle shells, pistol shells, shotgun shells, lead, uh, where they basically legislated all of the um, smelting plants out of existence in the United States. And the newest one, um, and uh, Elizabeth Warren was talking about raising the, the Pittman-Robinson uh, Act, uh, calls for an excise fire on firearms, ammo, an excise tax, and it's anywhere from uh, all 10 to 11%, depending on what the item is. But she wanted to kick that up to 30%. To start with which you know on a when you're gonna buy an $800 shotgun which isn't really the you know it's I mean it's pretty much a working man's price for a new shotgun right now there there's $80 buried in the uh, in the cost of that but with Warren's I'd take that kick that up to $240 and uh, that's that's gonna be kind of a game breaker for um, basically your working-class people to buy um, new shotguns or even ammunition I mean that's gonna show you know uh, like around four dollars, uh, 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 an increase for a box of ammo. I mean, well, when you think about what that means to constitutionally, John, is that they're taxing our constitutional right, and it, there's a specific tar tax targeted at a specific constitutional right, the right to keep and bear arms. And you know, would they tax our speech, our religion, our press, or our right to assemble? They do it sometimes to charge you for a permit to assemble. Right. And that is a tax on our constitutional rights. And so I don't know if anybody has made that case. If it's a 10 or 11% tax, it's, 
not maybe as compelling, but when you go to 30%, that is a big deal. Well, that would be the starting point. You know, once, mm-hmm. once they start kicking that in, I mean, the sky's the limit on that. Well, that's right. It could be 100% tax. It could be a 10,000% tax. And once, once you let them have that principle, then it's just a matter of setting the price. I think Winston Churchill had a different remark about that that comes to mind that I won't use this morning. <laughs> but uh, that's, that, is, that is what I think about. And also, uh, magazine size is another one of their targets. No one should have to have, no one should ever need more than 10 rounds in their magazine. Right. uh, (laughs) We had a case where there were uh, five individuals that stormed the house of a fellow that had a, I I think it was actually an AK-47, if I remember the story. I just kind of gave it a quick read, maybe maybe not quite a year ago. And uh, he was was well enough armed that he... uh, I believe he killed two of them and wounded one or two others, and they ended up rounding up the remainder of these five that that uh, stormed into his house and tried to take him out. I think he was really glad that he had more than ten rounds that day. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. I guess whatever. I, I've never been frightened by a piece of metal laying there on my uh, footstool or wherever it was. But anyway, um, I'm not sure how long can you stay with us this morning, Congressman King. I think. We have oh, a few I'm, commercials we've got to burn up. Worry out if I need to, John. I can go to the bottom of the hour pretty easy. Okay. Well, if you don't mind hanging on through this quick break, it'd be uh, great to talk to you about some of the other conservation issues. Sure. Happy to. All right. We'll be right back. 1360-949 KSCJ. Looking for future leaders we can trust and believe in? Look no further than the high school student-athletes right here in Iowa. High school sports teach young people how to be effective leaders. It begins by making their grades and being on time for practice. It includes learning to listen, following directions, accepting responsibility, being a good role model. And it's about respect for officials, opponents, the rules, and each other. The result, it transcends sports. It gives us hope for the future. High school sports. There's so much more than just a game. This message presented by the Iowa High School Athletic Association and the Iowa High School Athletic Directors Association. Big John. Big John. Well, we made it through the break there, Scott. Is that all the commercials we have till the bottom of the hour? Or you got another? Nope, that's it. All right. Hey, sounds good. And uh, Congressman King held with us. Thank you. And, uh, mm-hmm, sure. you know, the left is just so terrified of the uh, the NRA. You always hear them about, oh, the evil NRA, oh, the NRA this and the NRA that. The NRA actually represents a, just a small fraction of gun owners. Um, but anyway, they're talking about the strong lobbyists of the NRA. Uh, how how exactly does a lobbyist operate? I mean, I, I get it. I mean, they're not like the union thugs where they're going to Jimmy Hoffa you, where they're just going to give you concrete galoshes and throw you off the bridge if you don't vote the way they wanted to. But but it, actually, how do these lobbyists, are they able to put pressure on congressmen and senators? Well, they do. And uh, and I will say the NRA is by, you know significantly the strongest uh, Second Amendment lobby that's there, although there are several others that are effective, too. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll build their relationships around the Hill and in in office after office. And, 
And so uh, most of the time now, you know, I've, I haven't really sat down in my office and talked to an NRA lobbyist in a number of years, but they'll touch in such bases with my staff and they don't really need to work me very hard. So that's why I don't see much of them. Um, but they will then, if there's a bill that's coming to the floor, they will score it, which means uh, they'll, they will use that to report to your constituents uh, which way you vote on the issues that matter the most to the NRA. And so that's uh, that's one way that they you know, kind of, you know, one, one way they encourage, I don't know if you quite call it keeping in line, I mean, instead it is, let's be singing off the same page and defending the Second Amendment together. That's generally where I am with it. Is, uh, and, and we need their expertise. As, you know, I, I once went to the floor and gave a speech to thank the lobbyists for the job they do in Washington. And, you know, then the left attacked me for speaking the truth. Yeah, but yeah the I truth remember that. That, that, that was, <laughs> I remember that was, yeah, that's that was actually quite funny. Unpopular I mean, truth. I, I, <laughs> I just have a knack for finding the unpopular truth and letting, reminding people of it, I guess. But um, here, here's how this works is that, you know, we've got a staff. It's, it's kind of a small staff given all the work we have to do, but you know, all day long, day after day, we have people coming in that are advocating for bills or against bills. And that staff, could, there's a, the, the mountain of paperwork that's filed in there for bills, I mean, there might be four, five, 6,000 bills filed by now in this Congress. We could not possibly sit there and analyze every word of that and anticipate how it affects people, real people that are, that are impacted in a positive or sometimes a very, very negative way. I want to represent all 755,000 Iowans that I have the honor and privilege to represent as best I can. And that means that the folks that are affected by it come and talk to us and say, this is what the bill does. This is what it doesn't do. This is why we like it. This is why we don't like it. I'll often say, what's the other side of the argument? If they won't tell me what I'm going to hear from the other side of the argument, I don't really trust them as much. And right. I can't think of but about two, two lobbyists that have been, you know, have mis- misinformed me. And um, but I can think of them, and they never were back in my office again. It's, it's, it's actually <laughs> right. that profession is really valuable, and the NRA does an excellent job of making sure we know the implications of the bills that impact the firearms in this country. Well, sure. And what's crazy about the NRA is uh, they not only just support the you know direct bills as far as the Second Amendment, but any kind of a constitutional bill if it's if it's you know in conflict with the Constitution, the NRA is going to be against it. I mean, that's just pretty simple. And, and they've been also um, taken the litigation. That What I really appreciate is the prudent way that they have moved Second Amendment litigation. If you overplay your hand, you could lose a lot in that. And it's, it's, a, it's kind of a dangerous area. But when they went in on the Heller case, for example, on whether you had a right to have a gun and defend yourself in the Washington, D.C. case, and um, that was one that was uh, supported, and I believe uh, strategized by the NRA. And I actually had dinner with Mr. Heller one night a couple of years ago. I got to hear his whole story. Uh, but uh, that's one of the things the NRA has done, and they're they're always there, ready to defend the attacks on our Second Amendment. And so, um, and some there's been a couple times when I've pushed them a little further than they were ready to go. And you know, they're um, they would rather be calling all the plays. I will say that for them. But, um, you know, if I'm out ahead of them a little ways, I figure they'll catch up with me sooner or later. Yeah, they might. Yeah. Hey, uh, another thing that as far as gun rights, um, you know, there's kind of a push from the people anyway to get a what you might call a national constitutional carry. Basically, just to if states offer uh, carry permits that other states should honor them, kind of like what they do with driver's licenses. Where is that mm-hmm. in Washington now? Is that pretty much dead now until um, uh, the the uh the house flips back to the republican side 
Yeah, I think Nancy Pelosi tore that bill up when she became Speaker. Um, just to pull that image back in people's mind of what happens when you have Nancy Pelosi with a gavel and out on the floor, you know, you know, they know it's going to be killed. But um, that that right to carry, um, it, it was uh, that was one of those places when I actually did push the NRA further than they were ready to go. Um, there's um, one of the members of Congress from uh, North Carolina had the bill that was uh, we call it. Um, that's the, the reciprocity bill. So what that bill said was if you have a concealed weapon permit in your state, then it also is it, it is effective and be recognized in others. And I agree with that. But the problem that it that emerged was at that time there were seven states that had constitutional carry. And now there are, I think there are at least 11 states that have constitutional carry. That means you have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. You don't need a permit. You can carry a concealed weapon and as long as you're a you know, not a convicted felon or someone in that category. And so I brought the amendment that would require that they recognize the constitutional carry rights of states that were constitutional carry, along with the reciprocity for those who have a permit issued to them from a state being recognized in other states as well. And the reason I did that is because otherwise states that have the, the clearest and the purest constitutional protection for Second Amendment rights constitutional carry, the automatic right, um, they would have had to issue permits in order to have their citizens have their their right recognized in other states. And so I put that amendment on, and we got that to the place the first year the folks were kind of unhappy about that. The second year they wrote my amendment, or the second next Congress they wrote my amendment into the bill, and everybody smiled and said, this is what we need to get done. And we were poised to do that before we lost the majority. Yeah, I know like a lot of the states, like you say, the ones that are, are true constitutional carry, like South Dakota is one of them. But South Dakota also issues a uh, carry permit. They've got like two levels of them um, so that w when their residents want to go to another state um, that doesn't recognize, you know, just the constitutional carry aspect of it that they can carry then in other states. And I think one of the biggest hurdle I think was was caught on that was some of the states require a shooting requirement uh, a, a certain degree of marksmanship to get the carry permit for that state and others like iowa doesn't you know iowa just requires that you take a, a safety class and basically you know the instructor can talk about whatever they want to you know but mm -hmm. so you got states like minnesota um the people's republic of illinois you know that have a lot more stringent requirement and those states were really kind of blocking it i think in the senate weren't they well there wasn't that that was being pushed back and there's no question about that and that senate's a harder harder organism to get some things moved through it because they've got the filibuster and one person can just put a hold on a bill and and then you have to you have to bring it up forward and get a 60 votes to break the filibuster the vote of cloture and so uh, i didn't watch i didn't follow that closely enough to describe what was going on in the senate we had the votes in the House, and uh, that's you know that's our first responsibility is get things passed out of there and set it on Mitch McConnell's desk. And I've sent a lot of stuff over to Mitch's desk, and it just seemed to stay there. But uh, on the other hand, I'm pretty proud of the way he handled things uh, within this past couple of weeks on impeachment. So I'm going to give him a pass when he's a little slow to act on the things that I want to see him move on, and maybe they just couldn't get there. Yeah, and, and, and that's true. I mean, um, a lot of it is, I mean, if, you, if you're not going to have the votes, you know, you don't, uh, you don't bring it out. Um, I don't know, we're 
boy, we're quickly running out of time here. We only got a couple minutes left. Um, is some of these uh, all like the uh, the uh, conservation programs, the the CRP program, and uh, the new one you're seeing around is the NRCS. How much does the House, you know, the U.S. House and Senate is have on those? I mean, those are both programs that are administered by the Department of Agriculture. But do you guys have a lot of say on you know how those are going to be administered? Well, we have a chance to have a say on that about every five years when we write a new farm bill. Okay. And uh, we did, we made changes in CRP in the last farm bill, and um, a good number of them were the changes that I that I applied that came out of came out of the district. We we do uh, ag advisory meetings around the district. In fact, I've got one today. I'll be going to here in a in a couple hours. And uh, but but out of that came this that we have whole blocks of land that was in CRP. And then, of course, when that happens, people move off the land. The check goes to Arizona or Texas right. or Florida. Well, I, I hate to and do this. I hate to do this, Congressman King. My timing concluded. is my timing is terrible, and uh, we've got to <laughs> let you go. Um, okay. Anyway, hey, thanks for uh, joining us this morning. And, and uh, anytime you want to join us, you're more than welcome. Happy to do it. Thanks, John. You bet. Good morning this morning with you. Well, when you, I say when you gotta go, you gotta go.